0: It's time for Running Building, the game, the, building game, the game, with Jason and friends, for tabletop game, games the game on the with fun and friends, with Jason and friends. it's at the end of the, of the episode, episode that's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, April 12th, and you're listening to episode 463. As always, I'm your host, Jason. Here today, joined once again by Kiri Bear. Hey Kiri, how's it going? Good, thanks, Jason. Awesome! It's good to have you back again, and this time, uh, much like last time when we had one of our one of our mentees on, uh, we have invited a special guest uh, at Kiri's request. And this time, we have game designer uh, of For the Queen, Starcross, and newly released Precious Little Animal, Alex Roberts. Hey, Alex, how's it going?
1: It's going great. Hello, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us.
1: Uh, thank you for having me. I'm uh, I'm very excited to have a chat.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We are rocking some very different time zones here. So Kiri, as the listeners know, is in Australia, Melbourne, Australia area. Alex, you are on the West Coast. I am in uh Middle America in Michigan. Uh, I guess they call it the Midwest, but it always feels weird because it's it's kind of like the Mid East, but you know. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> the middle. But yeah, so uh so we've got some uh we're all different times here. Uh, it's tomorrow for you, Kiri. And uh yeah, so we were uh, talking before the show about uh, summer coming and being able to camp and such, and that's exciting. So yeah, Kiri and I are both campers. Alex, have you uh, have you done any? Are you I, any I, into camping or anything? I
1: really, really love hiking, and I really love just wandering through the woods. Um, but uh, awesome. I don't, I don't like to sleep outside. I kind of like to go to the woods and then come back home to my bed and shower. I'm, I'm, I'm a yeah. I don't know.
0: There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <I'm> not, <laughs> There's not nothing tough. wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean I, I have a camper, so like Oh, I see there you go. See, we, that's my kind of I sleep in a bed. You know, I could yeah, I could yeah, get yeah. into that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling Kiri we camped in tents and then we had kids and I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, nope, 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 nope. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we are quite fond of like getting
2: out and just um putting up a top and sleeping on a ground sheet with, with camping mats and stuff. But yeah, um yeah. yeah, just sleeping under a top. Because wow. you wake up and there's this amazing view. Um, but even in our circles, people that is think that we're quite hardcore because we sleep under a top. <laughs> it's just, it's just wow. really pretty. I,
0: I agree. I agree. And we were mentioning before in Australia, I'm terrified of all the animals uh, in Australia and you're terrified of mountain lions, yeah. which we have here. Yeah. So and bear. I was going to say, yeah,
1: yeah. I, w- I was talking to an Australian friend a while ago. I was like, man, the snakes and the spiders that I see pictures of, it sounds so frightening. And, uh, and he said, Listen, if there are snakes, you just zip up your tent. You live in Canada. There are bears. You zip up your tent, you're just a bear burrito.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I just you kind know, rip right through that. <laughs> they it will. It's just a midnight snack. Yeah. But though, you can't zip up your tent when you're sleeping on a tarp, Kiri. Like, it's no, no, not a thing. No, like... but
2: the snakes are more scared of us than we are of them. I've, Absolutely. I've done a lot of camping, and I've very
0: rarely seen snakes. Like, it's, you know. I wish that I had the confidence that y'all have
1: <laughs> I don't. snakes would tr- so rather be doing their own thing. I definitely, <laughs> I know that if you get bit by a snake, I believe that. Yeah. You pr- you're probably, you, yeah. you doing something you shouldn't <laughs> That's it.
0: That's it.
1: <laughs>
0: like sleeping, not in a tent. Is that?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Here's a question real quick. I have, and I promise we'll talk about game design. am a curious, this made me think. So one time uh, when I was watching some like, camping survival show thing I might have been like Survivor man or something I don't remember but uh, they said that he that person was in Australia and they put a rope around their camp like around their their bed because they said that um, that some people in Australia like who go out in the bush a lot say that the rope is enough to keep snakes from going over but you're giving me a look that tells me you've never heard that crap before. <laughs> So I'm gonna assume it's crap. <laughs> no,
2: never heard that one. <laughs> never put a that's rope around our top to make sure that the snakes don't come in. Um, that's so enough.
1: good. I personally, I love talking to Americans and telling them something. Uh, you know, not necessarily something false, but then being like, "Yes, that's a Canadian thing. Everyone in Canada knows that or does that." Um, They fall for it every time. Pretty classic bit. Oh
2: my goodness. What you probably don't know is that koalas, right? Have this reputation for being really cute and cuddly, but the noises they make in the night are demonic. Like (laughs)
0: like
2: it's it's really full on Um, and they've got massive claws, right? Like the only reason they're not going to like come and scratch your face off is because they're kind of drunk on eucalyptus trees. Um, and they spend most of their time sleeping.
0: Um, but they're fierce. You don't want to go near a koala. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We definitely don't have koalas here. We have possums, which are very mean looking, but are, I would say pretty not dangerous as dangerous creatures go. Yeah. They're really cute. Yeah.
1: They're little faces.
0: Hmm. All right. So hey, let's let's talk about some game design. Yeah. That's a good idea.
1: Oh, sure. If you want to, yeah.
0: <laughs> this was great. This was great. Um, this was great camping talk, though. I'm into it. Um, so uh so Kiri, um, this this kind of all started. We were um uh when, when you first came on as a mentee uh, and started to be a a guest host on the show, I had said, Hey, like, you know, if you ever if there's ever somebody you can think of that you would like to chat with about some ideas or something, somebody who knows more about something. Than I do, which doesn't take a lot, but also somebody with some specific information. And, and she immediately said, I want to talk to Alex Roberts. Could you make that happen? And I was like, I, I don't know, Alex, but let's find out. So <laughs> luckily I know some awesome people that do know Alex to uh, reached out to one of them and they were able to connect us. Uh, and Alex was gracious enough to say, yeah, let's do it. So, um, so Kira, I know you've got some questions, so I want to let you, uh, kind of kind of dive in but if you want to if you don't mind like just kind of starting with what you're hoping like kind of your goals for this are just so that um you know for this conversation and you know what what you're trying to uh achieve here, uh-huh. if that's okay well,
2: basically um so i've played for the queen a number of times and absolutely love it as a game and um some friends and i have been working on um making games for like professional context for workplaces and stuff that help people with team mm-hmm. building and things. And so we're working mm-hmm. on a version of For the Queen, which we're calling For the Awesome, um, that's mm-hmm. about like doing teamwork to make a project together. Um, and mm-hmm. it's one of these things, right, like you you play a game, you're like, that's a really great experience, I love that game, and then you try and design it and it's like, whoa, this is really hard. <laughs> I wonder how they did this because yeah, it's just the process of building a similar game is just giving me so Mm -hmm. much more respect for, for the queen and just the elegance of how it's um, set up and yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm really curious to know more (laughs) about your design process with that and like, like what inspired you to, to do that?
1: Oh, sure. Um, I love talking about this because it was um, a couple of things. One I, I was, I had very recently played, um, a game called The Beast by Alexandra Slantowska. Um, Have you heard of it? No. Oh, okay. So The Beast is a one player game that also uses um, like a randomized, like shuffled deck of prompts. Um, but instead of being played around the table with a bunch of people, um, you pull one card each day and then you write your answer in a diary. Um, and uh, the premise is that you have. A monster that you are keeping in your house and having a romantic and uh, sexual relationship with. Um, so it's 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 pretty dark, <laughs> and it really builds on themes of like uh, I don't know loneliness and perversity, I guess. Um, but it's interesting. Uh, and the the prompts. What I was amazed by is that the prompts worked in any order. Like it wasn't like oh here's your day one card, your day two card, but rather. You were you're able to like narrativize and make a story out of what's happening, even though you're just getting these like a one or two sentence question each day. Um, so I was really inspired by that. Um, and but also I tried to do a bunch of other things with For the Queen. Because the idea about For the Queen was really about like, um, I don't know, I'm just I'm obsessed with like the really old Final Fantasy games and these old JRPGs where you can see like your little yeah. guys going around on the map, and I'm always like what are they saying awesome. to each other? like what are they ta- what are they talking about while they're while you're just wandering around grinding um, or you know going from one place to another? So I kind of wanted to like make a game about that idea, but the beast was really sticking with me and the idea of doing that in a group, like would it still work? Like would just answering questions together still work? Um, so I kind of just woke up one morning and wrote like twenty or more possibly questions, and most of those questions and very few others are still in the game uh (laughs) um but i did test oh and the other thing is the first version of the game which i just tested as soon as humanly possible um like like literally within a week i had some friends run through it with me but it also had a jenga tower in it and about 40 dice um yeah for no i don't i don't know why that was but um yeah so it was a really really bad clunky nonsense thing at first but After playing it, I was like, oh, the only things that matter in this game are the prompts. Literally nothing else matters. And I had all these ideas about how you would resolve the ending question. Like, do they defend the queen? Does the queen survive or whatever? And I discovered literally in the first play test that it does not matter. That's the least interesting thing in the entire game. Um, And a cliffhanger was more interesting. So I think all this to say, um, I think when people are trying to make Descended from the Queen games, um, I think the structure is is pretty easy to, to rebuild or to expand upon. I love when people introduce new mechanics or make the game more complex. Um, but questions like, I wonder is your question about questions because questions that work and that help build a story are very difficult to write. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That's Um, really interesting. Um, uh, so, uh, I guess we, we started our game in a similar way. Like we played, mm-hmm. um, we played actually that night we played um, This Vineyard Will Be Our Salvation, which is a Descendant oh. from the Queen by Taylor, Taylor Dagnu. Yes, I, I've read it, but
1: I haven't played it. It's super cool.
2: Yeah, it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And we, I don't know, it's kind of a feature of the way that we play that we tend to be very collaborative and kind with each other. Mm-hmm. But there are some really beautiful moments um, when we played This Vineyard. And um, so, yeah, we did. We played that, and then we just sat for like half an hour and just made questions and just like all just made up questions for like if we were gonna do a one that was about project construction and team building. Then we'll do it all together. Um, mm-hmm. We'll yeah, we'll just make questions, um, and those questions have definitely been refined. So in the play testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, we, we've kind of, you know, shifted from um, like different, like from past tense to present tense. Like that turned out to be quite important, that the questions are present right. tense in, in playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else did we do? Um, we kind of looked at it and went like bangers only, like only the best questions that were getting really solid answers. Yep. Yes.
1: Wise. Very wise. <laughs> yeah, you can always come up with more questions, but like there's – yeah, it, you want a particular kind of response from players. And I'm curious about, because for me, in For the Queen, my ideal response to a question is a kind of like, I don't know, a mix of like terror and like scandalousness. Like, <gasps> You know, sometimes when people get that um, the question that's like, oh, you arranged for the queen to be ambushed, you know, what did they offer you? People do a little gasp, you know, when their shoulders go up. And I, in an, an ideal version of this game, every single question would get that response, right? Because yeah. in For the Queen is what I'm looking for. But I'm wondering, like, what is the what is the response that you want to get from players? Or when you get it from players, you're like, okay,
2: yes, that's good. That's a good question. Yeah, so I think that's happening. Like it feels like the questions are quite solid because people are saying things like, mm. oh, this question is hard, but it's really interesting, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, so I think that's the kind of thing that I'm going for is like, oh, like kind of making them work. And, and often mm. the way, which I think we've taken from the, the sort of the pattern from For the Queen where you kind of give them a, an, an entry sentence and then ask mm. a question that really pulls them in a different direction. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think there's a question in there that's something like, um, uh, you know, you ran an event and no one turned up, um, you know, who in the team, um, said the thing that helped you feel better about that, or, um, you know, you sacrificed something big from the project or, oh no, Mm -hmm. they, they made a decision. The other people in the project made a decision that you really disagreed with, but what was it that made you recommit? to the project um so it's kind of like yeah setting up
1: yes so as you're describing these are really really good questions because they offer someone like the questions give you something right like they imply something um and so you get a little bit of story to work with i think what i'm starting to wonder then about where you want your game to go big questions are like um do your players have characters that they're playing or are they kind of larping as themselves
2: um they have characters so we've done that deliberately okay yeah
1: okay cool um okay so that's fun so um so there's that and also makes me wonder like what is your end thing like what what's the um what's the the queen is attacked if if at the
2: moment it's um did the project succeed or like what how did how did the project come out mm-hmm. um, and would you work with these right. people again
1: okay see would you work with these people again i think is a good a good like intense sort of cliffhanger non like like a a you know non optional all or nothing kind of question i think is really good um i think i'm wondering then like what, what are the questions or the feelings that you are hoping that your players will kind of be hanging out with or like wrestling with as you're playing? I think
2: one of the things that, um, so there's a couple of, I guess, design principles that we're working with. One is the notion of indirection. Mm. So like the point of getting people to play a game is like you're playing a character mm. that's not you and you're in a world that's not your world. Yeah. Um, and, with the thought that this will give people the opportunity to kind of loosen up a bit and be kind of playing. But inevitably what happens is Mm. that people in trying to build out their character and trying to answer a question, they bring their own life experience into that. And so they end up talking about stuff that might be a bit kind of vulnerable or challenging for them, but because we're playing, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of safe. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is something that happens before the Queen all the time, right? Because For the Queen usually takes place in a pretty fantastical mm-hmm. setting. Um, but it's about relationships and like feelings of devotion and feelings of regret and feelings mm-hmm. of betrayal and like, and feelings of love, right? And people really have those. And yeah, I've definitely been at that table where I know that someone is really talking about themselves when they're talking about their character, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I wonder then, like, you want to you want to give people that alibi, right? The excuse to really engage with what's really going on in you because it has this veneer, or or an excuse of a uh, of fiction, or the option of fiction, right? That you don't have to be talking about yourself if you don't want to. Um, but I wonder, like, what kinds of things? Like, I know the game is about, um, like like team mm-hmm. teamwork and like build and like uh, pro, you know sharing and collaborating, right? It's about mm-hmm. collaboration. And, and For the Queen is, like, about this journey together and a queen. But, but, like, in terms of the things that I want people to engage with, I want them to engage with their feelings and experiences around love, around devotion, around commitment, around, uh, like, self-esteem and mm-hmm. self-respect, um, around a- allegiance and alliance. So, like, what what do you find that people are connecting with through the game? And is it what you want them to be
2: connecting with? Um, yeah, so, um, I guess, yeah, some of the things that we've looked at are like, you know, the common, um, hurdles or barriers in project management, like, um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: things like stakeholder relationships, There's those moments where you have really crunchy decisions. It's like, you know, everyone has a project plan and here's our A to Z, but as you're running a project, inevitably life happens. And it is, I mean, it's very much a game about relationships. It's about those soft skills because when it comes to running projects and doing collaboration, so much of it is about like relationships, and being able to know the mind of others, being able to um, have empathy and understand your own worldview and the other person's worldview and negotiate around that. Um so yeah. this is the kind of things that we're wanting to bring out, those tensions between the personal and the, the individual and the collective. Um, mm.
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the personal and the professional. Like, you know, someone in your life doesn't, um, doesn't support the work that you're doing and how does that impact on you? Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about not just like the – Not just the nuts and bolts of doing a project, but you're talking about like, you know, that oscillation between being really focused on task and being really focused Mm. on relationship or being focused on your personal life and being focused on the work, being focused on yourself, being focused on others. Like, I wonder, um, we can talk about question construction, but I wonder about how to orient questions so that they're really about Mm. that. Like, so that they're really about, um the inward things that people experience when they're trying to collaborate and work together or be in alliance on something.
2: Um, I've kind of been wondering, though, at the moment, it it seems like most of the questions Mm -hmm. are very much in that direction, either around the inattentions or inviting people to talk about their relationships with other people in the team. Um, Mm -hmm. And we've been wondering about whether they actually need, because there's kind of a, the, the sort of the instructions and the, the onboarding part mm-hmm. um, and then it feels like there's a bit of a, a blip between moving between the instructions and then the actual the prompt questions that's um, oh, okay. sort of not smooth like they kind of get through the questions the instructions and they're like now the game is going to begin mm-hmm. and then they get the first question they're kind of like uh, and actually I play tested it the other day and I noticed this in myself too. It's like, oh gosh, now there's a question and I'm not sure how to answer because it goes straight into that kind of deeply personal stuff. Um, and right. I wondered about, or, you know, if you have any thoughts about that, like, is it, is it actually good mm-hmm. to have a bit of a mix around some stuff that's a bit more um, pragmatic or something?
1: Well, and I, I wonder, um, I wonder if there is a, a a good tonal mix in your questions, where if some of them are really intense, because um, sometimes a quest a, a game opens on a really intense question and it does lead to kind of a rocky start, but then you get into the flow of things and and it's all good, hopefully. Um, or people pass on the first question because they're like, I can't, I can't start out with this. Um, but I wonder, like, are there questions that can be kind of emotionally light? that don't ask super deep probing personal stuff, but that still in some way contribute to the world of the game, that still contribute something to the fiction, that allow you to come up with something mm. interesting. Um, and if you are if you find yourself playing it with a lot of first-time role players um, or people who are new or, or not necessarily super interested in role playing, it might even be worth... Um, I'm thinking about splitting up uh the deck or it by in terms of levels of intensity so you can kind of have an act one act two act three um so that you're doing kind of softball questions first i don't know this is an idea i actually messed around with when when making for the queen i ended up abandoning it but um it it wasn't exactly what we needed but i wonder if there is like i would actually love to just look at your list of questions and say like are are there some that are that that inject some Mm. humor into it right are there some that allow you to um come up with something that feels pretty light and pretty low stakes are there ones that allow you to kind of laugh laugh it off like are there some that are um that are more conversational or more anecdotal or kind Mm. of lighter um because it it could just be that um you know people really want to get into that place where they're talking about really tough stuff but it, it can be helpful to kind of um <laughs> I'm doing a motion with my hand but to go motion, in and right. out of that
0: <laughs> really. <laughs> it really conveys ways. everything
1: ebbs and flows is exactly the word right you don't necessarily want to go super deep super fast and also I would encourage you to really think about how how much is this card like is this question asking of the player in terms of content production yeah. So one of the nice things about, and it sounds like you, you've you asked some good questions that start with, here's something that happened, right? Like here's something I, the question gives you, and then just ask you to, to elaborate on it. But like, again, how high is the cognitive load on those uh, on a lot of those? Like, are there some where you barely come up with anything and it's almost mm-hmm. a yes or no? You don't want anything just kind of completely yes or no. But like like, are there some that barely ask anything of you, and then there are some that that re- that like really ask for a lot of explanation are there some that ask for a little bit of emotional investment are there some that um that are like a lot more complex um yeah i wonder about variety yeah. maybe yeah
2: yeah it's a really mm-hmm. good thing to think about i i could actually share the spreadsheet that because we've been using um story roundy lubin's platform oh yeah
1: yes Plug Randy's project. That is so cool. Randy Lube, uh, oh, I mean, you can go, uh, I, sorry, I, just, I have to go off because Randy Lube had basically made a tool just for making Descended from the Queen games um, that is all powered by, like you can make it through a spreadsheet. I've played around with it a little bit. And I think if I knew a little bit more, I could do something really cool with it. But I, I, yeah, I feel like prototype stuff in there. Um, it's literally the fastest and easiest way to make something that can very easily be played online. Um, it's, it's so cool. It's such a great prototyping tool. Highly recommend. If anyone is even thinking about making a game, like just go in there and start messing around
0: with stuff. And it's, it's super cool. Called story synth. it's story. Is that Yeah. Story, story synth. synth. Yeah. yeah. Randy synth. Lubin. Randy, Randy what? Randy Lubin.
1: Lubin. L-U-B-I-N. Okay.
0: Cool. Yeah. Just so that people can go out and find that if they like to. And I'm writing it down because that sounds interesting. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And cool. it's fantastic um, for these times yeah. because, um, I guess that's part of why we started developing this game because you know we were trying to make board games together mm-hmm. and just like really needing platforms that can be hybrid. Like there's some people in person, there's some people online, um, and StorySynth will very easily um, accommodate that, and it's quite simple for people to mm-hmm. um, get to use.
0: So I'm loving this discussion <laughs> here. Um, like I've uh, I'm just piping in for a second because I've been silent for most of the episode, but it's. Yeah, I love listening to you two go back and forth about this. This is really, this is, um, this is really intriguing to me. Um, I also work on some of the types of games Kiri's talking about, trying to work with, um, you know, with teams and such. And so, um, so I'm learning a lot about. Um, I've got a game where you use questions, and like, it's like, oh gosh, like what you're describing. Yeah, so this is. i I'm, I'm sure the listeners are finding it engaging as well
1: well what's interesting about questions just like they're really really important to storytelling
0: mm-hmm. and
1: what's interesting is that what is imp- what's important and useful about questions in say a helping context or a journalistic context or a interviewing context is totally different than in a game because mm-hmm. in you know um you know, if, if you're my client and we're just consulting, you know, we're consulting or something, I'm not going to ask you why, right? Like you, you, when you're helping with someone or helping someone figure something out, you don't want to ask them why, right? Because that just makes people make stuff up. Um, if you ask them to explain why something is happening, it's better to ask like how, or like, what was that like? Or um, what was going on at the time? Mm-hmm. Or, um, but that's exactly what makes why such a great question in a story game, because <laughs> it really spurs people to make stuff up and, um, and so in, in a storytelling or gaming situation where you're not concerned about people uh, being untruthful or making stuff up or not getting to the depth of things, you actually do want them to fabricate quite a bit. Um, yeah. It's like the rules are totally different. I always, I keep thinking about, I've got to do some kind of like workshop or like presentation or like video or something about making descent from the Queen games. Cause I really learned a lot about questions. Mm.
2: Um, so yeah, in this, Okay, spreadsheet. Like the first part is just, um, yeah, the, the HTML kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, as you go down the numbered ones are the, the instructions and then, uh, mm-hmm. and then it goes into at around cool. line 37. Um, yeah, it goes into the, um, the questions. And just while you're wonderful. looking at that, like another Sorry. thing that we found, um, So initially we Mm -hmm. had this kind of table and people could roll on the table to decide what kind of project that they were running and where and all this kind of stuff. And it was like too open. Mm -hmm. People just got kind of overwhelmed and um, what we're playing with now, like you'll see in there, this fictional town of Green Hollow, which is like a bronze age village Um, and being a lot Mm -hmm. more directive around that setting. And, um, yeah, and giving people characters, like inviting them to choose characters. Because what happens, what was tending to happen is that people were just kind of playing themselves. And so giving them a character kind of gives them an option to be like, um, you know, you could be a visionary dreamer type person or you could be, um, you know, Oak the farmer who's really like down to earth. Um, Yeah. yeah. Um, Just to. Um.
1: Yes. I think um, it sounds like you stumbled on this realization that like making things really, really specific is more helpful than making them super open ended in terms of letting people be creative. Yeah, why is that? Yeah, it's so (laughs) counterintuitive, right? You're like, you're like, no, no, the blank page, right? The blank page is where creativity happens, right? Like, keep things as open as possible and don't constrain people, but that's it's it's the exact opposite of what is true right if you give people super super like like notice that for the queen is not about um it's not just about a journey and there's someone right like you are on a journey for this reason and you have a queen it's it's not a royal person or important person or authority figure it's a queen and and like making things that specific i think when people have something really i don't know people have kind of like the, the edges of something to sort of rub up against, you know, or they or they have the walls of something that that kind of, I don't know, it, it cr- creates some mm-hmm. sort of friction. I think with creativity, you want a bit of friction where things don't seem to fit right away or people are not sure how that's going to work or where it, things seem to be contradictory at first. And so it kind of forces you to think it through, okay, how can I make mm. this make sense? Um, and so what, what I'm noticing going through this is that like you have, yeah, like you have um, a more... Yeah, you have a um, a more focused intro mm-hmm. part um, where it's like we're not just doing a project at some point in the world. We're 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 in this p- particular setting doing this. And what I would say then is if if people are like, are people seeing these questions and then they're kind of like silent for a really long time, or people are struggling to come up with answers, or certain questions maybe like kind of seem to bring the energy of the table kind of down low. Or
2: people are like, oh, I don't know, quite know what to say. Mm. There's some questions definitely that make people think for a time. Um, mm. uh, I'm trying to think now across the playtests. Um, yeah. What has been the reactions? Mostly, it yeah, it feels like it's working. Like there's a level of momentum and energy that people are mm. kind of getting into it. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. but yeah that level of detail I feel like I need to pay more attention to that like what is the level of energy like right now and even to I'm sort of thinking yeah. like I can not even just do that as I'm listening um like make mm-hmm. a number for each question or something
1: <laughs> this is also I'm I also I prefer to play test in a way where I'm just like like really focused on everyone's individual reactions to parts of the game rather than necessarily looking at like after after yeah. play kind of feedback or or get or written feedback um because something that these questions make me really curious about like all of these like some of these are just like on fire what part of this project makes you come alive you know uh, who do you look to for direction um you know you're called on to lead and and how does that go for you you sacrifice something important to ensure success. How does it impact your commitment? Like, these are these are really, really good. And what that makes me wonder is, how could they be more specific to your mm. setting? Like, can, can, when you give, a lot of them have this formula of, like, here's something that happens, and then how do you respond, right? And I'm, I'm sure you're already noticing that that's way more helpful than something totally open-ended. But can you give people more specific stuff? Like, can you make those offerings more... um like, more connected to the setting or more connected mm. to the story. So, like, um, uh, you you put the project at risk. How does everyone find out and, and what do you learn? So, like, give them a way in which a person... And again, I'm just curious to see how this would res- end in playtesting. But give them so- something that you did to put the project mm. at risk. Like, you forgot something or you whatever. Um, or... Um, like a significant event in your personal life requires your attention right before a critical moment in the project. Can you give them a significant personal event? Your, you know, your sister gives birth yeah. to a baby and you got to yeah. be there. I don't know. Like like think about things that are specific to the setting. And what's nice about giving people those kinds of information too is that that helps them, like fictional information about the setting also helps strengthen the alibi, like the disconnect or the, the veil maybe between yeah. player and character. And so if the questions are not just like um, you hold a public event and no one turns up, but rather like you host something, like something from that setting. You host like the the annual Apple Harvest Feast and no yeah. one turns up or something like that. I don't know. Something that would be like in the setting. Um, uh, someone close to you does not believe in the project. Like make that, um, uh, you know, your, your aunt or your mother or your a named mm-hmm. friend or something like that. Um again, like play around more with like giving people something that is really specific that and that is totally fictional. And also it's totally selfish, but just like for me as a player or sorry, for me as a as a designer, when I give people really specific information and different tables interpret it completely differently, um <laughs> I really really love that a lot. You can just go in there and be and be like and be like You know, Larry the Shoemaker invites you to so and so, and this happens, and then and you'll find in one group it's like, man, Larry the Shoemaker really held it held it all together. He was an inspiration to us all. And then two playtests later, Larry the the Larry the Shoemaker, um, you know, card will come up again, and they'll be like, that bastard, he tore us apart. I couldn't believe that guy. I hate that guy. Like, it's amazing, but it happens, right? Like, you, you 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 people really interpret things differently, and and again, it can feel like. You know, I think about this with like uh, games with named characters or games with inevitable outcomes or games with really super specific settings. It seems like it's going to be really constraining and difficult, but it actually it it's this I don't know, it's like solid ground on which yeah. you can then go. and. and, and I've started to
2: else. think about it like giving them play equipment. It's like if you just give them an oval with grass on it then it's kind of like well what do we do but if you put play equipment in there it's like oh I'm gonna go on the swing or I'm gonna jump on the slide or yeah
1: yes yes exactly and like the little tricycle can be a little tricycle or it can become a you know a pegasus or it can become a motorcycle or whatever like people will take stuff in different directions but you kind of have to give them them something to work with
2: yeah yeah fantastic oh that's so exciting Alex um
1: this is this is really fun what is your favorite part about working on this project
2: oh um goodness what is it like part of it is um so yeah as the amble design studio um, which is like five friends who have come together during lockdown to start making games Mm -hmm. um this is the first project that's really had all of our hands on it. So all five of us have been involved in this in different ways. Like we've all contributed questions to it. We've all been playtesting it. Like we all have a sense of ownership of it. So that um, is really exciting to me creatively to be really solidly working together as a a team on it. Um, And uh, yeah, just this sense of like, crafting an experience um like you said like that um you know like making questions that mm-hmm. get that <gasps> oh um, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm not sure that the gasp is what i'm going for in terms of the experience that i'm designing but i i just yeah. love um yeah being in playtests watching playtests and and seeing people just start like to gradually kind of go crazy like there was one group um that we play tested with just last week, and they were all role players, so they were kind of, you know, into it already and had a level of comfort. And um, because a lot of the questions are uh, ask things about, like, um, you know, who said something that that kept you um, committed, or who said who gave you the feedback that you could actually listen to about what wasn't working. Um, they started acting out little scenes between each other at the table um, in response to the questions. Um, so yeah, all of those moments are just super exciting. Seeing people take that structure and yeah, and play on the play equipment and do different stuff with it that you didn't expect.
1: Yes. Oh, I love, I love being surprised by players by being like, okay, I didn't make that to do that with, but all right. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Something Yeah. Something I want to throw out there that, that popped into my head. You were talking about questions and, you know, Alex, you saying like you don't necessarily for, for Kiri's version of the game, you don't necessarily want everybody to be like, every time you ask a question, right? That gasp. But like one of the things that popped into my head is from doing coaching. I, I do development coaching with people and, and I love when I ask a question and like, I've seen this across so many different people that I've coached. They're like, Ooh, that's a good question. Like, it's like, you just, they just, they, you, you, you get that sense where it just hits you like that's really hard to answer. Right. And it's not that gasp, but it's that now I'm intrigued and, Oh, I have to really think about this. And like I th- like you said, you know, when it's not a question that's real, right? When it's not like a, hey, Alex, tell me this about you. When you have the ability to make stuff up to work your way out of it, I-, I think those questions can lend themselves really, you know, really towards that. And I know, Kira, you've done some coaching as well, obviously. So like that, I think that probably is one of the things, in my opinion, that would help make you be so good at coming up these questions is because you know how to ask the right question at the right time, you know, and that's... Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: And I would guess that you probably know what kinds of reactions to questions indicate success. Like you know how to tell a question has been successful because either, yeah. either yeah they they then they get really quiet and they're like, oh wow I really have to think about that. That's gold. But also the question that someone then immediately responds to right when someone pulls the mm-hmm. card and they're like oh I know exactly what this is going to be and they, they give their question right away that is also yeah. a kind of success um so so definitely I mean like so much of play testing I think a, a prompt-based game or a question-based game is literally just seeing like what is the response that comes out to the question is it a response I'm happy with and if a, if a question consistently gets um, either no response or a lukewarm response, or it seems to bring the energy down, or it gets, eh, you know, or, pe- or people kind of shrug or roll their eyes at it. Then that's garbage. Yeah. Throw it away, right? And and make yeah. up some more. Yeah, bangers only. Yes, bangers only. That is, yes, because if you play, you know, from playing games, that ideas are so cheap. Yeah. Ideas are wickedly cheap. They just fly out of us like like, it like nothing. And so it just, yeah, honestly, I think if you're already in a place where you're like, I can throw away something I wrote, then you, that's that's so much mm, of game design. That is
0: great. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, I think you've you've said that twice now. I think we have a title for this episode. It's bangers <laughs> only. Bangers <laughs> only. <Yeah. laughs> yes. Great. Life's
1: too short great. for a mediocre Definitely. question. And uh, so the other thing I'm curious about then is like, so you're making this game in a team, right? Like you're making this game in a group and you're having this, this, you know, together shared experience of making something like, how is that, how are you letting that influence the kinds of questions that end up there? Like that, that you come up with that end up as prompts.
2: Oh,
0: <laughs> good question. <laughs>
2: see that landed
0: (laughs) (laughs) indeed it did
2: yeah I don't know how to answer um uh I mean uh, some some of it is is difficult um I I guess part of what we are trying to do is um you know at the the kind of the macro level like we talk about this notion of of Mm. Humans, particularly in Western society, having kind of lost their collaborative capacity, mm. um, these skills that would have been absolutely crucial to our survival, and then we're living in such an individualistic mm. world. So that's that's like the big picture is like how do we give people experiences that that reconnect them with mm. that um, that ancient skill of collaboration that is it's going to be more crucial to us as we go forward. Um, and so, our team is really practicing that. Like, we show up to work with our whole selves, you know, we, we bring our feelings mm. into our meetings, and we um, all of that is really welcome in yeah. the space. And it's an incredibly um, juicy, supportive, creative space that we have between us. Um, and mm-hmm. so, yeah. It, that's like integral to the game and the experience that we're trying to create It's like coming from that space um and um so that's one thing and then the other thing is that as you play test you learn that's like oh not it. there's some assumptions that we have that we, we need to um consider how we craft an experience <laughs> like i was playing with one person and like in the first question they're like oh that guy pissed me off i'm just gonna fire them and it was like, oh, my gosh, that is <laughs> oh, okay. Right. And then, you know, because I was playing in a particular way, they shifted the way they were playing to mm-hmm. kind of match with what I was doing. But it's like, obviously, as a designer, mm-hmm. that's not going to fly. Like I can't sit at every table with people. Yeah. Um, so the hope yeah, is yeah, with yeah. this game is that it's something that, you know, people who love role playing can take into their own workplaces and then you know bring other people into the fold um uh yeah so um yeah learning about the kind of the way that we play and the experience again that we're trying to craft and how we kind of bake that Mm -hmm. into the game and the questions without being kind of like y'all have to be nice to each other all the time and like bring your wisest self (laughs) to the table it's like Um, actually part of the inspiration behind making it this like Bronze Age village is like how do we put them in a setting Mm. where there's no away like we have this whole thing around like oh we'll fire them we'll send them away we'll just exile that person um but if you're in a in a context where you're really depending on each other like you can't just put someone in prison like there's no prison in a Bronze Age village you've got to deal with them and you've got to work with that um
1: yeah i think i think that's wise right to um rather than just putting down a rule like we're not we're not gonna not gonna exile people and we're not gonna have a punitive response but rather to say like actually in most contexts in which people have lived that's just not a sustainable Mm. strategy um you know it's just not gonna hold up i think that's I don't know, I could go on about pragmatism and abolition, but I uh, <laughs> will stay focused on on games. Um, but I think that it kind of makes me wonder, like one of the things that I think makes my life easier as I'm designing games is that I'm really, really OK with um, having players have really messed up relationships and do the wrong thing. You know, like doing the wrong thing should yeah. be interesting. Um, And for the queen is really about unhealthy relationships and misplaced love and misplaced devotion, most of the time. And sometimes people find it, you know, wonderfully cathartic to then reject that and to say, I'm not going to defend the queen because she's been horrible to me. I'm out. But sometimes people just revel in it and they just tell stories of people making bad choices and going to their graves having made a lot of bad choices. And I wonder, like, is it, is there something missing or are you? like do you want to make allowances for like a story about a dysfunctional Mm -hmm. team like a story about a team that doesn't work and that isn't
2: good and that tears each other
1: apart Uh, you know a team that fails is that is that comfortable or interesting
2: yeah and i think it is interesting right because in terms of our overall Mm -hmm. goal like you learn as much from failure as you do from success so
0: or more (laughs)
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and i think and like again what what kind of lesson is that too especially for a game about about like working in a group right how do you fail how do you tolerate the failures of others how do you make sure that your failure is leading to learning and not to shame you know or withdrawal um
2: yeah kind of kind of heavy but i think it's, it's worth talking about um so in terms of that um so are you saying that there's there's changes that we could make to open up more of that space? Or is it just as a designer recognizing like I'm gonna send this out into the world and people are gonna take it in all sorts of places and breathing
1: through <laughs> um, them? I mean, there's two things. Like like one is that yeah, people will do things with your game that are that, that are you would never have expected. Sometimes that's fun, sometimes that's not, but also I wonder, is there, like, are there questions that you're not writing? Like, are there prompts that you're not including or that, uh, that, I don't know, are there interesting places that your players could go if you let go of the idea that this has to be about a functional, happy group? Um, You know, is there stuff that you could be making room for? Um, And again, when we talk about that tonal variation, letting things ebb and flow, letting things kind of come and go um, or be you know, really functional one minute and really dysfunctional the yeah. next. Like, I think a lot of these questions, um, some of these questions I think are pretty neutral and could go either way, right? This one here, someone close to you does not believe in the project. How does mm-hmm. this affect your work? Like, I think that's strong in terms of like it could affect it. It could not. I deal with it. I don't. Um, but there's like, but a lot of them are like, how, how does so-and-so mm-hmm. support you? Um, you know, this thing fails. What do you learn from that? Um, how do you adapt? Um, like that kind of assume that you, that you did something and you dealt with it and it's okay. Like, I wonder, I, and again, just like other, other suggestions I was making, I really just want to know what happens in play testing. If you have questions that are like, you screw up really bad and did something wrong. How do you make it hard to forgive yeah. you yeah I, like yeah. i don't know <laughs> right like how do you do something genuinely wrong and yeah. don't come back what's from what's the burning it? Or, resentment like...
2: you've been holding onto to this whole time
1: exactly and it's up to you and your team to decide okay do we even want that to be part yeah. of this game right because you can also just say like no we want this to be about a happy functioning group but be interesting to see what happens right if you enforce some dysfunction or if you offer some dysfunction or make it more of an option um and, and what could happen there? Uh, that's just, you know, what
2: I'm curious about looking at. Mm. That's so great. Ah, <laughs> oh, such a satisfying conversation, Alex. Thank you so much. This is fun.
1: And I, so I'm curious too, because I'm looking at this. It seems super awesome. It seems like you're having a lot of successful play tests. Like what is the thing that isn't happening that you want to be happening?
2: Um... In terms of the play test, well, it's really only in the last week that we've been testing it with this much more specific setting and being more directive. Mm. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and there's that bump like I described between the instructions and then getting the first question and people kind of struggling. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we've been toying with the idea of having like some extra question prompts that just talk about the qu- project generally that kind of ease to ease that bump um mm-hmm. uh, and so yeah and I don't know what I'm taking from our conversation is this notion about being even more specific and um I think that as designers like there was this temptation of like well the questions kind of fit regardless of the scenario so we can just change the scenario up front and um yeah. and leave the questions as they are um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm left with a question around that. And I guess it's, yeah, it just comes back to playtesting. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, ultimately that's, I mean, that's the way that I design, like other people are like never play test and they're like, man, no, just put it out there. But, um, but yeah, for me, like I want, I don't know if the game is done until I play it and I get a certain kind of yeah. experience. Right. Until something happens with players where I'm like, yes. And where it consistently enough happens that I'm like, yes, this is good. This is done. Um, so maybe we're thinking about, too, like, how will you know when it's done or when it's good enough? I don't know if you if your group has like some definition of that.
2: I don't I don't think we do at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> like <when> we do. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm saying this like I've ever had that feeling, but I've, I've absolutely never decided. An yeah, it's going to be like,
2: yeah, good, good enough. Oh yeah, kids enough with yeah. different um, groups playing it and yeah. It working. Yeah. Um, meaning that it's a, a mm-hmm. satisfying storytelling experience for the, the people who are there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um so there's a, a another question that I uh, one of my team members really wanted me to ask you that's a bit more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about um, like the SRD I'm not even sure exactly what those letters mean but um oh, yeah, basically yeah. the way that you've chosen to share for the queen and and allow because I mean there's there's the experience of it being a designer and watching play tests and and having your game um be out in the world but then you also have the experience of your game becoming like a model that all of these other designers now are creating within and Randy's you know made a website to you know facilitate that mm-hmm. online. Um, so I have two questions. One is like the what does that feel like? And the other is is the more pragmatic like um what what went into the process of making that decision about allowing your work to be um so freely available to others to to use.
1: Oh okay um so first question it feels fantastic I get so excited when people are making particularly when they're making their first game you know and they used like that makes me feel so good i love that um because yeah i just want everyone to mess around and and make games and play with stuff and see what happens i really really love that game role-playing games story games are a participatory culture and that's very special and very cool so i love being a part of that um you like we already talked about story synth but also um i i i can't remember the person's name but um there's a uh for the queen fan in in france who made something called for the drama which is like um which is another sort of online like module for making prompt based games but they also tend to have like their own art and they tend to be a little bit different um so that's another place where people are a lot of them are in french so i haven't played a lot of them but uh but that's another place where people are like you know using this kind of format um and and again i really just feel like it's a multiplayer version of a game that alexander sontowska made so like I'm like cool this is just cool um the reason that the srd exists is really because um the game is published by evil hat productions and um when we were going through that people literally when we were still playtesting, people were talking about making games based on it and so it, w- it wasn't like we were deciding oh we want people to or to not like people were just going to so we were like how do we give them guidance how do we kind of connect those designers to each other um and so like at the if you go to forthequeengame.com, if you go to the very end um uh or if you go to yeah games there's a section called games and at the very bottom of that page then you can like kind of submit there's like a little google form um to submit because i would really love for people designing in this mode to be talking to each other right or like building on each other's ideas and having you know and doing all that so um so yeah the srd was really just a matter of like just making it easier and more convenient for people to do something that it seemed pretty obvious that people were going to do um and and to make sure that that people are doing it because i i don't want people come to are sometimes like oh can i make a game based on your game and i'm like oh yeah it's from a publisher so like I have to try to remember if there's like any illegal things associated with that. Cause my (laughs) default answer is just like, yeah, go for it. But (laughs) I have to be like, Oh yeah, are there laws? Um, So the nice thing about the, this, the reference document is that then it just, it just has text on there for like, if your game is based on this, then just put this in your credits or like put this copyright line or make, give a link to this or whatever. So it's just, it's just a way of just making it easy. Um, Yeah. So to be encouraging really.
0: That's fantastic. yeah, that what a what an awesome thing to do with your game. and in, yeah, I mean, I, I agree as a designer. like anytime you can have people like making things because you made something, like how awesome is that? Like how invested are they in it that they want to do that? That is so cool. I love that
1: yeah and and my first game was Starcrossed, which was very, very much inspired by a lot of different games, but I think most obviously dread um oh, and
0: dread, yes,
1: it's such a good game, so right? Written. So i was like, I, so i was like oh man i want to use the the tower but i want to tell a really different kind of story and i mean mechanically it ended up being very different from dread but but then yeah before we were going to publish it i sent the game text to epidiah ravishall and i was just like hey oh i really like dread and is it okay with you if you know it does it bother you or anything if i put this game out there and he was like oh i love this, this is so cool of course you know he was so genuinely excited. And at the time I was just like, wow, that's so nice of him. And now that it's now I'm that I'm on the other side of it and people are making these descended from the queen games. I'm like, Oh yeah. He wasn't just being nice. He was like stoked. He was totally right. stoked. And I can tell you if, if you're making a game that uses the tower or is inspired by dread in any way, tell Epi about it. Cause he's like excited. Awesome. Um, it is like, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's lovely. It is a huge compliment. Um, and and exciting. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm lucky I get to have that feeling all the time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, gaming is just such a rich creative space right now. It just feels yeah. Yeah. I've um I've tried uh yeah, kind of being an artist and I got some grants to make art at various points and I remember mm. um I got kind of burnt out. And then I started playing Dungeons and Dragons as my outlet, which is how I met a couple of the people who are now in the Amble crew. Um, just because mm-hmm. it was this creative space that was not, there was no kind of glaring critic looking over my shoulder. And it was, yeah, so liberating. Mm-hmm. And I remember like a couple of years later mm-hmm. bumping into someone who I'd known from my kind of art making days and that they were like, you know, what are you, you know, what are you working on right now? And I was like, um, actually I'm just playing Dungeons and Dragons and their face just dropped you know they were like looking for the next person to talk to you um, and now I feel like yeah screw you this is freaking awesome and it's yeah. yeah it's an incredible collaborative participatory um, beautiful space um, to be in yeah and yeah it is pretty magic
1: it is kind of magic and like making something something ephemeral like I know people record actual plays but ultimately like the thing that you're doing is really ephemeral it's really only truly experienced by the people at that table at that time when that's happening and you and even in your memory like you remember parts of the game but you don't really have the game you know it kind of just exists Mm -hmm. in that moment Mm -hmm. and that's so special that's so special like that you get to make something that is that can be very beautiful or that can be very silly or can be very fun or or serious or whatever but that it just exists for the people who are making it and it really is just like such a boiled down version of the creative process where it's just about yeah. the process the product is if it exists at all it's immaterial it doesn't matter it's just about the feeling of making something which is yeah. amazing yeah yeah, yeah.
0: It, oh gosh alex the way you put <laughs> that is just so good like I mean, some of my like I still remember and I'm not going to describe it because like you said, that's the whole purpose is it's ephemeral. right? But like in a in the in a game of dread, I played at Gen Con like it still is one of those moments that I will never forget. Like it was so mm. like it had such an impact on me and it, it resulted in me and a guy I'd never met. He, he hugged me because he was like so excited about what just happened in the game. Like, and I'll Mm -hmm. never forget that moment. Like, I don't remember a ton of things about the game, but I remember the twist and that moment and that feeling of like, wow, Like, we created this like together, like we did this. Um, So, yeah, and it's hard to describe that to people who haven't who haven't played games like this before. Right. Like it's Mm -hmm. it can be hard to make people, you know, understand what that can feel like.
1: Yes, because gaming doesn't look like what Mm -hmm. it feels like. And it does, it like what, what, you know, the experience, when the experience is really, really positive, it doesn't always look like anything. And if it looks really cool, it doesn't necessarily feel like anything. Right. Um, And, and that it's, it's hard. It's really is, you had to be there. Like it was Mm -hmm. the purest, most absolute, you had to be there. It's an experienced thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And those memories just stick with you forever. And I, I I love that about it. I just love those moments. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: Well, so we are running short on time here. So Kiri, if there's any questions you haven't asked that you really want to get to, I want to make sure you can get to those. Your, your eyes just got real big. Like, so does that mean you're out of questions? You have a bunch more? Or? No, no. I'm, <laughs> I
2: think I'm out of questions. Like I, I asked I think, oh, awesome. I had the little list, the Perfect. development process and like what you're inspired by. Yeah. We kind of covered that. It's good. Sweet.
0: So and uh, for the listeners, once again, we kind of mixed in the pitch with the rest of with the rest of the the discussion because it kind of just fit right in there. And breaking down a game and talking more about it, um, I loved, I loved, loved, loved this discussion. Um, this was so much fun. Uh, it's like the least talking I've done on one of these podcasts in quite a while, and it was just awesome to just sit here and just like watch and smile and listen to you to be so excited about uh, this conversation <laughs> where I felt like I was learning a lot about. <laughs> about these types of games. And this is really exciting.
1: Cool. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was really fun to just like talk and geek out about game design for a bit. It was, yeah. It's a treat for me.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, Alex, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you have a game called Precious Little Animal that just came out. Um, so I would love for you to tell us a little about that if you if you don't mind.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, the quick pitch is that it's a, a solo, it's a journaling game. Um, that takes about a week to play. You answer a couple of journaling prompts at the end of each day um, and you, uh, you just live your life. And at the end of each day, you write down three good things that happened that day. And uh, and then you translate those three good things into an ongoing story about a cute little animal friend who you designed <laughs> at the beginning of the week. Um, it's really adorable. It's super simple. A lot of people are telling me they've been playing with their kids, and their kids are really enjoying it, oh, which is the nicest great. possible thing. It's very good. Um, so yeah, if you like something that's just kind of lighthearted and cute, um, you can pick up the PDF on itch.io, or um, Indie Press Revolution has it as well. and. Uh, I did kickstart a print version. All the all the Kickstarter backers are getting theirs, but Indie Press Revolution has a box of print versions coming to them this week. So you may, if you order through them, be able to pick up there. There's like 40 overs. There's not very many copies, but if you want one, then you can do that. Um, also on my itch store, I think by next week, um, I made a game with uh, my friend, Dana Johnson, um, who had never designed a game before. And we hacked a board game, a very old board game from the 70s, into something called Rat Trash Party, um, which is about a bunch of rats collecting trash and uh, sharing it with each other and being competitively cooperative. Um, And it's a board game. It's super simple, super cute, super fun. um, And that should be on my itch page, uh, hopefully by next week. Um, It was very, very, very fun to make a role playing game or make a board game, really. Um, with my roommate who would never designed a game before. It was really fun. Her illustrations are so cool. Totally recommend you check it out.
0: That sounds awesome. Well, thanks again for uh, for joining us tonight, uh, Alex. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, yeah. And thank you, Kiri, for coming with amazing questions. Sorry, Alex, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah super
2: fun. so lovely to meet you, Alex. Thanks.
1: Nice meeting you too. I hope we're at the same con someday somehow. Yeah
0: someday right when cons are a thing again <laughs> yeah carrie we need to get you over to the over to the states and then uh get, it's a little shorter trip for alex but yes. yeah yeah it's don't just a hop over the ferry like, for me yes yes <laughs> it very great to meet in person um well for the listeners out there I want to thank you for joining us again tonight uh i hope you enjoyed this awesome conversation we had if you didn't hey i don't know what's wrong with you because it was a really fun <laughs> conversation uh, but uh if you want to find us, you can of course go to building the game You can go there and find out about our Discord channel, which I highly recommend. Uh, we have a great time over there. Um, and uh you can find out the information there. You can email us to building game at gmail.com. You can find us on the Twitter, that's the absolute best place to find us. I am uh sorry, podcast is at podcast BTG. I am at J A Slingerland, Kiri Bear is at Kiri Bear, and Alex Roberts is the memorable at Muscular Pikachu um so that is really good <laughs> and um uh yeah so uh please keep coming back every week and uh until next time good night good night good app everybody that was fun building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends building the game building the game with jason and friends with jason and friends dial hotel btg please don't use the email